because it's getting ready to be on. Welcome, gangsters. I have no explanation for what happened. You guys are so young and stupid. No idea who you're talking about. It's a faith-based sports radio program. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. I'm not certain that that format is ever going to work. I have a high moral standard. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out, world. I think it is time we demonstrated the full power of this station. We would be honored if you would join us. Good morning and welcome to Benson and Those Guys. Our show is brought to you by Town & Country Test Solutions. We highlight the stories and the people of faith. It's not a faith program with sports. This is sports programming with faith. You can visit our website, btgprogram.com, or follow us on Twitter, at btgprogram. I'm here with Zach. Darren is not with us. There's much rejoicing in the studio, although he's <laughs> going to stop by later. He'll have his unreasonable rant before you go turning off the radio and He'll be here with his Pest of the Week later on in the program, but he's not here now. Remember back in January, we talked about this, mentioned it. Well, the man in Fargo, North Dakota, who admitted being drunk while operating a Zamboni during a high school hockey game, has been sentenced to nine days in jail. He's credited with one already served, ordered a $1,500 fine, chemical dependency evaluation, and participation in the state's 24-7 sobriety program he was arrested back in january but just sentenced this week we're mentioning that again just because the whole thing when you're that drunk how does can you just picture the scenario i mean what are you swerving around the ice in the zamboni and who pulls you over they just come drag you off the zamboni yeah i tried to picture it and in my head the zamboni driver looks like charlie sheen but i i you just, I'm picturing this Zamboni just swerving, maybe doing donuts or figure eights or bouncing off the boards. Security comes down from the stands, talks to him. I mean, how how funny would it be to sit to see the Zamboni kind of pulled off to the side and police officer just talking to him, making him walk the line, you know, <laughs> giving him a couple of DWI tests. Maybe walk the blue line? Maybe. The, the whole thing just seems silly to me. Of course, driving a Zamboni while drunk is never, never silly. Don't do that at home. Wear your seatbelt. Alan Iverson also drunk, according to a new book, during the infamous practice rant where he repeated the phrase, we're talking about practice 22 times. I didn't realize he had said it that much. I knew it was an annoying kind of news conference there where they kept repeating himself, but 22 times. Well, according to the book, Alan Iverson was drunk at the time, which would explain a lot. Do you rem- you remember that? Vaguely. I don't know if we're really surprised that he was drunk when he said we're talking about practice 22 times. Alan Iverson was one of those great players that I, n- I never thought he was going to win a title. I just, there wasn't team around him. He wasn't the guy that made others better he wanted the ball he had to have the ball a tremendous talent but just not somebody i ever thought would win a title have you been following well i know you've been following the hockey playoffs but you see jimmy fallon with his superlatives i haven't seen the most recent ones the ones he's done in the past i know have been gold the tampa bay lightning got back at him he what he does is he'll put a picture of somebody up 
uh, one of the NHL players, and then he'll put a phrase. And for instance, the Lightning's Brian Boyle was the most likely to star in Aladdin and Ice. <laughs> well, I the Lightning got back at him, picturing a picture of him wearing a jersey and saying, most likely to regret getting a 2015 Rangers Stanley Cup champion tramp stamp. And a Ouch. picture of Jimmy Fallon. So the Lightning having a little bit of fun. That, that one's still a little raw for me. I couldn't appreciate that last one. How shocked were you? Did you watch the game the other night, Lightning Blackhawks? I I didn't. I was following one on my phone. You're still it, licking your wounds from the Rangers it, it's, loss? It's still a little painful. It's a little too early for me to watch the Lightning still playing while the Rangers are home. The Lightning dominated that game. The, they did. I will say, I will say, I'm not using this as a crutch, but the Rangers had a whole bunch of guys that needed surgeries afterwards that were playing. Ryan McDonough played from game four on with a whoa, broken whoa, foot. Stop, stop, stop. This is not about the Rangers. It's over, Zach. They're playing golf now. We're talking about the Lightning and the Blackhawks. We don't need the Rangers medical list at this point. The Lightning and the Blackhawks are the only two hockey teams left. And I've heard a number of radio talk show hosts saying it's over. You're, you're, you're a great hockey mind. Now, I don't think it's over. I see the, the Lightning actually play better on the road than they do at home in these playoffs. They've lost four or five in a row. Something like that, or four out of five at Something home? like that. And I know we're not supposed to bring up the Rangers anymore, but oh, they yeah. shut they shut the Rangers out on in MSG twice. They're a very, very good road team. Well, do you think this series is over? Not by a long shot. I think the Blackhawks will win it, but I think the Lightning will win a couple. I, I could see Blackhawks in six. Now, the old strategy is when you go on the road, somebody else is building, you want to split the first two mm-hmm. games. That's, that's your goal. The, the Blackhawks already have that. From the Lightning, you want to... I, I kind of thought it was very important for the Lightning to win game one. They didn't do that. But by no means do I think this series is over. And I heard a number, not one, I heard a number of talk show hosts saying this series was over. It is an uphill climb in the sense that the Lightning are the challenger to the title. They're the young team. They, they, they showed a stat during the last series that they have something like 11 players that are age 25 or younger. And the Blackhawks are the veteran team. They're a borderline dynasty team. They've won two cups in the last few years. So to be in a one-game hold to those guys, it's going to be an uphill battle for sure. But the Lightning are so good. They're so good, but you just mentioned something that I think kind of gives the advantage to the Blackhawks. They're playing for dynasty, don't mm-hmm. you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if they win this, this is this has kind of been the team of the decade. This is a dynasty. And what you're looking at as well is this maybe the it's well it's definitely the last shot for this group because they're so close to the cap they're right up against it some of these depth guys third fourth line guys are going to be gone because they can't afford to keep them so if they're going to win and you know their the locker room's got to be a close knit bunch they've been to the playoffs so many times together they know some of those guys aren't going to be here next year you want to win a cup get their names on it former NBA player Jason Collins compared Tony Dungy to Donald Sterling calling Dungy a homophobic or, or a homophobe being homophobic. I I think that is a unfair comparison. He said if you were to ask Tony Dungy if he feels like homophobia is in his level of thinking or if he's homophobic, he'd say no. And, and that's probably true. But then he goes on to compare him with Donald Sterling, and, and I don't see the two things. Just to reset that, Tony Dungy said he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have drafted Michael Sam because he didn't want the distraction. 
And that word distraction is what Collins and several others have seemed to, and it keeps coming up from time to time. And I feel bad. This is an unfair comparison, and I think Collins is out of line. I, too, wouldn't have had that distraction, not because I'm a homophobe, but because I wouldn't want the distraction. And I, and I think as a coach or as a team owner, you have that option to say, I don't want that player. I don't want that player for the amount of media coverage. I would not have drafted uh, Johnny Manziel for the very, very same reason. I, I don't think I would have drafted Jameis Winston. Now, it's easy for me. It, my job's not on the line. I, I can talk about it here on a, on a radio program without much risk of being fired because I made the wrong draft. These guys that draft these guys or don't draft these guys, their jobs are on the line. The success of the team is on the line. So I get it. It's very easy. But I wouldn't have drafted Jameis Winston either because I don't think I would have wanted the media coverage based on so many of his alleged acts previously. Yeah, well, your job, you know, as the general manager of a team or the scouting director is to draft the guy that has the best chance to stick on your team and contribute. And, and fits your team. Exactly. Fits your team. And if he doesn't, for whatever reason, he's whatever whatever the reason is, and you opt not to not to pick him up. And if you felt like he was going to be a distraction because he came with a lot of media coverage, I think you have that option. And that doesn't make Tony Dungy a homophobe. And I'm I'm kinda insulted by Collins' comparison of him to Donald Sterling. I just think so much we live in this society where why can't you just take things at face value? I was telling you off the air, this happened to me earlier this week. Somebody said something, and I, I kind of had to dismiss So Listen, I, I'll get back to you on that. i got to go handle that. And it felt like I was blowing them off. And I wasn't blowing them off. I really had to go handle something. That's all. I'm not blowing you off. I, I'll give you the attention. But right now, why are you making this about you? I just have to handle this thing. I'm being honest and telling you. Yeah. And I think Tony Dungy's being honest and saying, I don't want the distraction. I'm not homophobic. We have the unfortunate distinction of living in a culture and a time period where if the way people look at it is if you don't agree with me, it's not just because you don't agree with me. It's because you hate me or you dislike me or you think something is wrong with me. You know, and so often that's not even close to being the case. Like you said, you're not just simply disagree. Exactly. Like the old Dave Mason song. We just disagree. Yeah. You're listening to Benson and those guys coming up later in the program. We're going to reset the baseball season as we've gotten to the 50-game mark. We're also going to talk to Roberts Wesley and women's soccer coach Bobby McCall. You're listening to Benson and those guys. The show is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Title sponsor of Benson and those guys is Town & Country Pest Solutions. The warm weather is here to stay, but so are those pesky critters. Bees are beginning to build their hives, ants are driving everyone nuts, and spiders seem to be popping up in every corner of the house. But thanks to Town & Country Pest Solutions, these nuisances can be no more. If you have a serious problem that needs to be controlled, give them a call. I'm not just advertising for them. I am a customer, and believe me, they have the solution for any pest problem. 
I've mentioned it before and it's still true. They have been in business for over 25 years and their team of knowledgeable professionals guarantee their work. Call Town & Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. McAfee's Remodeling is a full-service remodeling company, locally owned and operated for nearly two decades. McAfee's team of professionals can help remodel or replace your windows, and for exterior and interior remodels, no one beats their personal and professional service. Call McAfee's Remodeling at 585-402-1070. That's 585-402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Welcome back to Benson and Those Guys at BTG Program. At the beginning of the season, we we made a bunch of predictions, and I don't I don't like predictions. I've told you guys that, but they're I guess people like them. I think they're like more or less uneducated guesses. And fifty games into the season, that's what we're going to find out. For instance, the AL West leading Houston Astros. 34 and 21 with a five and a half game lead at the time that we're recording this show. I would have never expected that. We all said on that early, on that baseball show back in, when we do that? Back in March? I think so. We said the Astros would be improved, but we would have never guessed this. Not second best record, or no, the best record in the game. We, we certainly, even I, who've been championing them since Se- last year, second best. Been... Uh, St. Louis Cardinals uh, again at the time we're recording this, so thirty-five and eighteen. But even the Cardinals, I mean, they lost Adam Wainwright to an injury pretty early in the season, and look at them. Here's why I don't like predictions because when we were talking about the National League Central, I was in love with the Chicago Cubs. Of course, that might have been because we had Chris Coglin on the show, and you know we were just being pro Cubs yeah. at the time. Well, the Cubs and, had been blessed by BTG at that point, so it was pretty much a lock. We were all about Chris Bryant, and it was just, I was all about the Cubs, and now the Cubs are sitting seven games out. You know what? I've got some clips from that show, and I think some of them are about the Cubs and the Astros. You want me to play those? I would love for you to play those. All right, here we go. We're going to give you our Major League Baseball preview. We're going to look at all all the teams. Zach is a nerd. I, as much as we love Zach, he's a dork, he's a geek, he's a uh, stat geek. Those things are all true. Predictions are kind of stupid. Then there's always that surprise team, and those are the ones that are so hard to figure out. Well, you know, they're going to come from nowhere, with the exception of one guy who thinks the Braves is going to win the World Series and one who thinks he can't sleep on the Cubs. You can't. Anybody with any sense knows that it's going to be the Nationals and the Dodgers playing for a chance to go to the World Series. I think Atlanta Braves are going to win the World Series. Can't believe I'm saying this, though, but don't count the Cubs out, man. But the, the Mariners stand out, and, that, and they could be the best team in the American League. I have the Astros after the Angels. They take a lot of flack because they've been bad for a long time, and they have terrible uniforms, but... Those uniforms are awesome. You watch your mouth. Those those orange uniforms, oh, I, I can't even look at them. I think the Houston Astros are going to win the World Series <laughs> and make Taylor Swift reschedule her concert. And then the Twins. That just leaves the Twins. That just leaves the Twins. With, with the biggest question for Minnesota, the bright spot will be is when do we see Byron Buxton? Mm-hmm. Kansas City, I think, is going to 
go back to being their normal Kansas City self. Well, I think you got four teams in that division that can win it. And yeah. then you got the Twins. I have the Red Sox at the top of the division. I have the Toronto Blue Jays in uh, in first. I think they could be a very good team win that division. I think the Tampa Bay Rays are going uh, <laughs> to win the World Series. Oh, boy. That That is why you ought not do predictions. Shane went one out of three on his World Series picks. The Astros look like they have a shot. Oh, but I was rough on the Twins. Yeah, the you Twins were. The Twins were tied with Kansas City. For first place in the AL Central. To be fair, even the Twins didn't think they could do this. And if you look at their numbers, I don't see how they can sustain it. But good for them. They're the little engine that could. Yeah, I don't... There's no way, right? If there's one team that you're looking at in all of baseball and you're thinking... I think the Houston Astros are probably more equipped to keep up what they're doing. We said they were going to be improved. I don't think Minnesota can keep that up. They give up an awful lot of runs. The big difference between those two teams to me is the starting pitching because the Astros have guys that can just shut you down. Guys like Dallas Keuchel, you know, that turned out to be a legitimate number one starter. And then the Twins, the Twins number one is Phil Hughes. And he had a historic season last year as far as not walking guys. But we can remember from his time with the Yankees, he doesn't strike anybody out. None of the Speaking of giving up runs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he gave up, you know basketfuls of runs for the Yankees. Now, you were, let's talk about the Yankees for a minute. You you were high on them. You you thought they were going to win this division, and I didn't see that. I thought this was, I thought they'd be competitive, but I still, now right now the Boston Red Sox are five games out of first place. That is a tight division. It is a poor division. I still think the Red Sox have the minor league system to make a deal at the deadline to get the pitch in their need, right? When you go into the season and you're the boss of Red Sox and you got that kind of pitch and there is no way you're counting on a playoff appearance with the pitching they had to start the season. So your strategy has to be, and so far it has, has held true, we just want to stay in contention. We want to stay four, five, six games out. We don't want to get much further than that. Just hang around. Just hang around so that when the trade deadline comes up, we can buy, trade a couple of pieces, and they've got the depth to do it. And I, I think they're going to bring in the pitching that helps them get over the top. But then there's the Minnesota Twins they got to get past. <laughs> when did we, whoever thought we would say that? Yeah, the road to the playoffs, you got to go through the Twins and the Astros. I think probably zero people would have picked that. So I think the Yankees are a little bit of a surprise being in first place. Um, the Red Sox, I, I still see them winning that division. Another surprise, though, to me is how poor Seattle has been. They really have. And there's been rumblings now that Robinson Cano's not happy there. You know, What a surprise. Yeah. The funny thing was I heard that, I don't know, maybe uh, Tuesday, I heard the rumblings, oh, Robinson Cano's not happy. The very next day, suddenly they trade for Mark Trumbo to bet behind Robinson Cano. Maybe it's, that rumor has legs. It's such a big ballpark. It is. It's such a big ballpark for an offensive player that, well, and I shouldn't say that. It makes it sound like Cano doesn't play defense, but, uh, you know, he, his offense is what. He's not making $250 million for his defense, though. Good point. Good point. Let's talk about the Mets, the New York Mets. I, I think, are you surprised by them? They're only half a game behind the Nationals, the Washington Nationals, who we all thought, and as did many writers, that, they're just going to run away. They, with the pitching they have, the, the Bryce Harper, 
This is just the national thing to lose. But they stumbled out of the gate a little bit. I mean, they've righted the ship now, but the first couple weeks, that pick looked pretty bad. And the Mets, half a game out. They've got a ton of pitching. Wow. How much do you love the Mets pitching? It's so good. Bartolo Colon, one of my surprises that I had picked out before we did this show. He's got eight wins. He's tied for the major league lead. Bartolo Colon. How much fun is it to watch him swing the bat? Oh my and gosh. run the bases. <laughs> it's like it's like watching The Office, where it's so awkward and uncomfortable, but you can't stop watching. The Mets are in an interesting spot, though, with David Wright. Um, Duda, now his knee, is that going to be an issue? Uh, they need a bat in that lineup. Would you agree? Absolutely. So now here you are. What if this trend continues? The Mets stay in contention. They're right there. Do you give up some of that talented pitching to get yourself a bat if you think you can win this division and make a run into the playoffs. I think so. And I don't think you trade one of those top guys, but I think... Um, Dylan G is not bringing you a top bat. They've been trying to trade him, and they've been trying to trade John Neese. And obviously they're both still Mets, so that's not worked out. But the Mets seem to have a plan, and their plan seems to be they're going to feature the young guys, and they're going to add complementary pieces. You know, the offseason, their big offseason splash was Michael Kadire. Five or six years ago, adding Michael Kadire would have been a big deal. You know, but I think if you see them make a trade, they're not going to trade for a Brian Zimmerman or, you know, a, a big middle-of-the-order guy. They're probably going to trade for a, a number seven hitter, somebody that can play a couple positions, just to deepen that lineup a little bit. But I, I think they need a big bat somewhere in that lineup. And I think the temptation is going to be very strong, and Met fans are going to be taking their own life if they do trade one of those pieces. But you have to trade somebody to get somebody. Yeah. And, I, and Jonathan Neese, Dylan G are not bringing you back a top bat in this league. Yeah. And that's and that's what the Mets need. So it's going to be interesting to watch the Mets as we approach the trade deadline to see the moves they do, to see the moves the Red Sox do. Let me ask you this. Is there anything that you've seen this season, team, player, whatever, that has really struck out to you as a surprise? The one thing, one thing that I was looking at just before we went on the air, D. Gordon of the Marlins is leading the major leagues in batting average. He's hitting three sixty eight. He batted two eighty nine last year, and he batted two thirty four the year before that. He was one of those guys that's always, you know, he's lightning fast he can steal a base whenever he wants to steal a base you know he's going and you still can't get him but he never get on base enough to use that well dude's leading the major league in average that's he's impressed me d gordon has impressed me a lot now alex rodriguez was a talk going in all through spring training the media circus that surrounded him as we talk about distractions there's a perfect example of somebody that is a distraction but you're paying him and he's under contract so you have no choice just going back to what we were talking with Jason Collins, uh, his remarks about Tony Dungy, this situation here, would you have drafted Alex Rodriguez? Would the Yankees have drafted him this past spring? Of course not. If they could have got out of that contract, they would have because they didn't want all the distractions and all the stuff, all the baggage that comes with it. Yeah. It has nothing to do, again, with being homophobic. And it just it just came to mind as as an example of what we were talking about earlier, but He's actually been hitting pretty well. I think, actually, if you look at the numbers, he's been one of the most productive designated hitters in the entire American League. I mean, not only did you have the worries with him about his hips, you know, and, and 
And uh, the fact that he's, you know, in his 40s and it had basically missed two full seasons, you know, but just how would he adjust to not going out in the field? Was he going to be able he to looks, keep himself in the he game? He looks relaxed, more relaxed than I've ever seen him. It's like almost as if to say, I don't care. I'm here. I'm playing. Y'all can go scratch is basically the approach that it looks to me like he has. Now, of course, I have no idea what he's thinking, but he just seems so relaxed at the plate. And it seems to be showing up in the statistics because the guy's hitting pretty well. You know who he reminds me of is another guy that's got ties in Miami, which is LeBron James. Because for so long, LeBron James, after he left Cleveland, he was the villain. And everyone vilified him. And no matter what he did, he was going to be the villain because he skipped out and went to Miami and won those titles. A-Rod, the same thing. He's been vilified for the money he took. He's been vilified for the PEDs that he took. He's been vilified for... You know, having uh, a relationship with Madonna or being fed popcorn at the Super Bowl or whatever. He's always been the villain, and it always really bothered him. And I really think you're seeing a guy that's just said, you know what? Everybody doesn't like me. I'm cool with it. I'm just going to go hit home runs, and that's what he's doing. He does exactly what you said. He looks so much more relaxed than I can ever remember seeing him. No, we've seen the, the Kansas City Royals want to fight everybody. We've seen, you know what we've seen a lot of is... A lot of anger towards people hitting home runs and not not responding appropriately. They run too fast. They run too slow. The bat was flipped too far. It wasn't flipped far enough. People are sensitive. Pitchers are real sensitive. The, the other night I uh, saw the highlights of uh, Junior Lake. Is that his name with the Chicago Cubs? Yep. Uh, hits a home run. He hit a bomb, no doubt about that it. That ball was crushed. No, no doubt about it. He hit a bomb. But he's coming around third base, and he sort of puts his finger to his lips and, and is hushing the opponent. Who, who are they playing? Um, the Marlins. The Marlins, yeah. And the and the bench is clear. And obviously they disliked the way he flipped the bat. They disliked the speed he went around the bases, and they really disliked the, the, the hush gesture as he rounded third. But the first one out of the, out of the dugout, was um, Fernandez. Jose Fernandez. Jose Fernandez. Who's, who's recovering on the DL. from Tommy John surgery. He better not be swinging at anybody. That's not the guy you want leading the charge into the fight, but that's why the Marlins are 10 games under 500. But yeah. that's an example of, now, he probably had it coming, but, man, there's been a lot of that. Bryce Harper, we've talked about it on this program with the bat flips. It's It goes back a few years. Well, it goes back a long time, but... You remember a few years ago, we've talked about it. Brian McCann, when he was with the Braves, we started calling the Braves the fun police because they would have, you know, a, a pitcher hits his first, actually, I think it was Jose Fernandez, hit his first career home run against the Braves, and Brian McCann stood him up at the plate and wouldn't let him touch the plate because he celebrated it or whatever, you know? Why are people so sensitive? If you don't want the guy to celebrate his home run, maybe get him out. Don't give up the home run. Junior Lake is obviously a young player. Um, Joe Madden. If, see if you can find that clip. Joe Madden handled this thing so well. This is why the Cubs brought him in to manage. This is leadership. He just ha- he handled the situation. He spoke to well. I'll let you. I'll let you play the clip, and, and Joe Madden can tell it. But basically, he talked to the player, then he talked to the other team, saying, "Hey, it's our fault. I'll take care of this. Don't don't worry about it." Go ahead and play that clip. Uh, I, I just spoke to him. We spoke to him during the game. Um, we don't do that here. And that would be the last time you see it. And I did tell them at home plate during the scrum. I told Chuck, Chuck Hernandez, because that's who I saw. I said, it's our fault, and we'll take care of it. I didn't know 
even like right now, I like to use this moment for for minor league guys that doesn't play, for kids watching that doesn't play. Don't do that. That's not cool. That's very very much not cool. So if you're watching a game back home in Chicago tonight, don't do that. If you don't want, don't do it. It's not it's not cool. I really admire how he handles that, and that's why you brought him in to manage that club. The way you the way he handles young players. Listen, I don't think you're going to see it again. I, I think he made it pretty clear. And I like the way he took the opportunity to say to the, the guys coming up in his system, hey, that ain't how we do it here. Don't do it. In fact, if anything else, if you do that, you're just going to get yourself hit. Pitchers are going to come at you. Right. You're inviting trouble. And we talked about that um, with the Royals. And when they had their little stretch where they had a bunch of guys ejected in five days or whatever it was, eventually if you keep doing this kind of stuff, it's going to get done back to you, and then you're not going to like it. Now, ESPN the other the other day, I'm watching the highlights. They were all over Joey Gallo. What am I? I, I haven't even heard of All I could think of is, is my cousin Vinny. <laughs> Not Gallo. My name is Jerry Callow. With a C. With a C. Joey Gallo is, if you think about what Chris Bryant is known for, people couldn't wait for Chris Bryant to get up here. Just big, huge, country-strong dude hitting light tower home runs. Joey Gallo is that, but left-handed. How did I miss this? Then, if he's that much of a talent and that much of a prospect, I've never heard of him, and ESPN was falling all over themselves to talk about him any opportunity they could. Well, ESPN likes to think that they have the the market cornered on experts who know about prospects and stuff, but uh, Joey Gallo made the jump from double-A to the majors. Oh, that's pretty impressive. He was not in AAA. He wasn't one of those guys that you're like, he'll be up here anytime. You know, I can't wait. He was considered to be a ways away. But, I mean, he made the jump. I think he went three for four in his first major league game with the second deck home run and, and like four RBIs. And then he homered again in his second game. So, uh, apparently, there wasn't much left for him to have learned in AAA anyways. You know what I learned from this segment? Don't do predictions. I'm looking at these standings, and I'm listening to that montage you put together from our baseball <laughs> preview show, and I'm just embarrassed. We're going to take a break. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk to Bobby McCall. He's the head women's soccer coach at Roberts Wesleyan College. You're listening to Benson and Those Guys, brought to you by Town & Country Test Solutions. We talk a lot about the different G&T athletics that are offered. Do you know there's a swim camp? Oh, really? I like swimming. Well, it's not for you. It's for your kids starting ages three, four years kind old. As long as they can put their face in the water for at least three seconds, <laughs> that's a level one swimmer. Oh, all right. They have a, The camp is July 6th to the 10th. It goes from noontime to 5 p.m., to, depending on what level. There's level one. Five level hours two. of swimming for, for no, kids? No, no, no. There's different classes. Oh, You've okay, got level okay. one, level three, level four, level two. You've got all these different levels. So you sign up for, I don't know, it's an hour, hour and a half. It's what if I don't know bucks. how to swim? That's what this camp is for. You said it wasn't for me. I want to learn how to swim. Well, it's for your kids. It's not for you. Can I join with them? $50, your kid learns how to swim. I'm surprised that you guys, you guys are young enough. I'm surprised you guys haven't done this. Um, This camp has been around for a while. My wife always talks about doing it. Maybe I should. Well, you can't. You're not getting it. This you're you're such a moron. I want to swim for your kids. Fine. Starting at your how old? Well, it doesn't matter. Three starting at ages three or four. If they can put their face in the water for a few seconds without freaking out, then this camp Mm. is for them. July sixth through tenth, you can sign up. Gantathletics.info. That's gantathletics.info. 
July 6th through the 10th, 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. Juventus FC, the Italian champions and one of the best soccer clubs in the world, will be hosting a five-day camp here in Rochester. Coaches from the Juventus Youth Academy are coming all the way from Italy to share the coaching and soccer philosophy of one of the most successful soccer clubs ever. The camp is open to boys and girls ages 5 to 17 who want to improve their level of play. Each participant will experience five days of top quality training and will leave the camp with a brand new Juventus uniform, a participation diploma, and some fantastic memories. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to learn from the best and show them what you can do. The dates of this amazing camp are July 20th through the 24th at Grace and Truth Sports Park in Hilton. The cost is $375 and you can register online at abcsportscamps.com forward slash JSC. Bobby McCall is the head women's soccer coach at Roberts Wesleyan College, and he joins us now on the BTG studio line. Great to have you, Bobby. Thanks for coming on and talking with us. Thanks for having me. I understand that for the season ahead, you've added 13 new student-athletes to the roster. That seems like a large number to me. Is that larger than usual? Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely the biggest um, incoming class that we brought in since I came in as a head coach. Um, I'm going into my third season now, and um, yeah, we just wanted to add um, some more competition, a little bit more depth to our roster. Um, our season is condensed into three or four months, but it's a lot of games and a lot of playing in that time. And, uh, you know, pretty typically you're going to get some injuries here or there. Um, so we just want to be a bit stronger, a little bit deeper off the bench. Um, we think that competition will, will bring out the best in our players. Um, and it's also just us trying to get in our own players, um, only being in our third year. We're trying to bring in uh, the type of player that we want to kind of carry the program forward for the next four years. Um, so I'm really excited about this class. Um, I think we have a few in there that will um, come in and compete immediately, and then some more that will give us some depth. And as they go into their second and third year, we'll, we'll add a lot of competition on the field. As part of this new incoming class, you have players coming from all over the world. you got Sweden, Bermuda, as well as local players from Hilton and Greece. Is it difficult for you to get players to commit to Roberts? And what is your main emphasis point when recruiting a potential new student athlete to Roberts Wesleyan? Um, well, every every school has their challenges trying to recruit. Um, I think we have a lot of positives um, and a lot of things that kind of make Roberts stand out. Um, you know, one of them being the the only NCAA Division II school in Rochester. Um, that helps when we're trying to recruit locally. Um, so I know that that's a big pull. We can uh, sometimes attract players that could potentially play Division One, but choose to stay local and come to Roberts. Um, with us being a Christian school too, it's also that's just another way for us to pull kids in. We we get a lot of kids who are looking for a smaller college, are looking for a Christian college, and really like that type of environment. So recruiting always has its challenges. We definitely get people that, you know, turn us down and, and we miss out on a few, but we feel like we've been able to bring in um, a talented class that are going to help us on the field, but also are just really good kids, um, are going to do well in the classroom, and are going to be a great fit for the college. When you're scouting a potential new player, what is it that you're looking for? Is there any one thing in particular that you want them to bring to this team? Well, I think everybody looks at, at what they can do on the field. But for us, as we try and build the type of culture that we want, um, a culture where 
you know, girls can come in, can feel comfortable, can express themselves. But at the same time, it's a culture of discipline um, where we have high expectations and high standards. Uh, probably the biggest thing we're looking at is just, just attitude and character. You know, as a lot of people will say, you can get in great players, but if, if, they don't, if they're not the right fit or if they have attitude problems, it, it tends not to work out. So we're looking for the kid that can give us both. But most importantly, we want a kid that's going to be a good fit for the school, going to be coachable, is going to want to work hard. Um, and if they have those attributes, then we're definitely going to be interested in them. We're talking with Bobby McCall here on Benson and Those Guys. He is the head women's soccer coach at Roberts Wesleyan College. Bobby, you're entering your third year as head coach at Roberts. The program has been successful. It's had four consecutive winning seasons. What has been key for you in keeping the program successful, and what are your expectations for the season ahead? I think for us, it's just we're always trying to um, stay ahead, you know, whether that's and, and plan ahead, whether that's with recruiting and, and trying to get recruits committed early in order to try and get, you know, the best recruits to come in or whether that's building on a, a camp or just kind of adding little things to our program each year. Um, you know, this year we added a, a strength and conditioning program that goes all year round. we got Coach Paul Dick and his staff coming in and working with the team. So we've really put more emphasis on the off-season. So I think it's just continually just trying to look ahead to what's next and trying to build on, on what we've done before, trying to continue to bring in quality student-athletes that are going to set the culture that we're trying to create. Um, and if we can do that, hopefully we can kind of maintain and build on that success and, and try and um, take the program to the next level, which for us would be to qualify for the NCAA tournament. That's the big goal for us. The schedule kicks off at home August 19th against Genesee Community College. You also have a trip to Albany on September 9th to play the College of St. Rose, who within the last few years has won a national championship. My daughter attends St. Rose, and so I have to ask you, is that one of the more difficult tests you'll face this season? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely the hardest game on our schedule every year. Since I came in, we've played them every year, and our plan is to keep them on the schedule because they're kind of a benchmark for us. Uh, I think maybe three or four years ago, they won the national tournament. Last year, we played them when they were ranked uh, number one in the country, and we lost 2-0. And last year, they went on to the final four for NCAA Division Two. So that's kind of where we want to be. And we want our girls to see what that looks like. And we want our girls to compete against that. And every year, we want to get closer and closer to, to that standard, at least on the field. You played in the Scottish Premier League, obviously in your native Scotland. How does that compare to the American professional leagues? And is there much difference? Huh, I don't think I don't think there is. I think the MLS is, in particular is getting a lot stronger. The Scottish League, um, compared to maybe some of the leagues in Europe, especially compared to the English League, is definitely not at that level. So I would say the Scottish League is compatible with, you know, maybe the MLS. Um, and then as you go down to the Scottish First Division, I would say it's compatible to um, the USL and, and the league that the Rhinos are playing in. Um, so it's definitely, it's a good standard, but I'd say that America, as it continues to grow and the MLS and the different leagues that they're adding, um, they're definitely getting closer uh, to some of the European leagues. Let's talk a little bit about the Juventus camp. Obviously, they're a big deal right now. You're involved in a camp coming to Grace and True Sports Park this July. I know you're real excited about it. We've been running spots here on this program. 
Can you talk a little bit about the camp, who it's for, and perhaps what the participants can expect? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm working with a former teammate of mine who works with Juventus, specifically with their soccer schools. And Juventus Football Club are the champions of Italy. Um, they're currently in the Champions League final, playing on Saturday against uh, Barcelona. So they're one of the biggest European soccer clubs and one of the biggest soccer clubs in the world. What we're trying to do is we're going to bring over three of their youth team coaches that work specifically with their younger players. And we're running a five-day camp, like you said, at Grace and Truth. And um, I guess what to expect, we're hoping that it's just going to be something a little bit different for kids in Rochester. Um, the Rochester soccer community is huge, and there's a lot of great clubs and, and coaches and good high school teams here. And we're hoping that this camp can offer something a little bit different, um, just a little bit different style of coaching, but also, you know, give the kids an opportunity to experience uh, a different culture with the coaches coming in from Italy. Um, and we're hoping that it can just add to some already great soccer opportunities that are here in Rochester. Juventus, of course, one of the top soccer clubs in all the world, and as you've already mentioned, playing Barcelona later today for the Champions League title. Hopefully the camp can capitalize and sort of springboard off the success that they're having. You mentioned to me the other day that registrations have been coming in right along. Is there still room for more, and how can people register? Yeah, it's um, we've had quite a, a lot of registrations so far, but um, we do have a morning and afternoon session, so there are plenty of opportunities for people to to sign up. Um, the best way to sign up would be online at abcsportscamps.com slash JSC. Um, we also have our banners up at Grace and Truth. Um, we recently just had an ad in the paper in the Democrat and Chronicle on Sunday, but online would be the best way to go. Um, you can register there. I want to take a couple of minutes. Let me give that website address if you want to register for this exciting camp. It's abcsportscamps.com forward slash JSC, Juventus Soccer Camp. Once again, that's abcsportscamps.com forward slash JSC. By the way, all participants of the camp are automatically enrolled for the opportunity to win an Andrea Pirlo autographed jersey. Pirlo, perhaps the most recognizable of all the Juventus players, has recently announced he'll be playing for New York City FC after the Champions League title game. You planning to watch the game, Bobby, and what are you expecting? Yeah, I definitely will be. We're hoping, um, just with the connection now with some friends that work for them, I'm definitely hoping that they can win. Um, I would say Juventus are the underdogs. Barcelona are, are probably the best team in the world right now, but um, Juventus have knocked out some good teams. They put out Real Madrid in the last round, um, and they got some great players. So I'm expecting a good game. I'm hoping that Juventus can uh, maybe sneak a goal, defend for a little bit, and, and get the win. There's been so much in the news recently of the numerous accusations of corruption against FIFA, soccer's governing body. A number of their officials have been arrested. Sepp Blatter, amidst controversy, was re-elected as president, but only to resign that position this week, just a few days after being re-elected in the first place. Now, clearly all this negativity and the scandal can't be good for the game, but is Blatter's resignation a good thing? And do you think this is going to have a long-term negative impact on the popularity of the game here in the United States? Hopefully that'll be um, a good step. Hopefully they can bring in someone who is more concerned about football or soccer um, rather than, you know, the politics and the money and they can get back to 
just trying to grow the game around the world and, and continue to hopefully grow the game here in the U.S. Um, because it's, it's been getting bigger and bigger over the years, and uh, hopefully that can continue. We're excited to be talking with Bobby McCall, the women's soccer coach at Roberts Wesleyan College. Bobby, you spent a few summers working with Missionary Athletes International. You went to Trinity International. You're teaching at Roberts Wesleyan. What is your faith story? Can you share with us how how and when you first became a believer in Christ? Yeah, um, it's kind of a long story. I, um, I grew up in Scotland, uh, originally from Scotland. All my family's from there. And uh, growing up, really, faith and God weren't a part of my life. Um, grew up with a great family, great parents. Um, but the culture is just very different in Scotland. Um, and I think is getting away from the church and away from religion and faith more and more. Um, and it wasn't really until I came over to the United States in 2004, I ended up at um, a small Christian college, very similar to Roberts, um, called Union University. And it was during my time there that I guess kind of exposed to Christianity and, um, I just had some really good friends and some good people there that shared with me what that was about. I guess I didn't really start to, to think about, you know, God and the impact he can have in my life and, and faith and, and what that meant until uh, a good friend of mine was diagnosed with cancer. And it was really um, watching her and our family uh, deal with that situation. She was a very strong Christian, um, so were her family, her parents. And just to really see them uh, live out their faith and, you know, what is, you know, probably some of the most difficult circumstances you can face really changed my outlook and my perspective. And I think God kind of used that time and used that event in my life to draw me closer to him um, and to show me that really I needed to, to rely on him and I needed a relationship with him. Uh, and that really changed my life, um, and that was really where, um, you know, I became a Christian. And even though I became a Christian then, it, it was it was all very new to me, and I still, you know, struggled with, uh, you know, different things. You know, I lived my whole life as someone that really didn't think about religion or faith, and all of a sudden, it became a huge part of my life. And you mentioned earlier that I spent some time with the Chicago Eagles and Missionary Athletes International, and that was really the event that um, made me take my faith seriously. Being able to spend time around other Christian athletes, around other Christian coaches, um, just really spending time um, giving your life on a daily basis to God and just seeing how he can use me through that um, was just an amazing experience. And it really impacted just the path of my life was taken. Um, I really had the desire then to get into coaching um, and to use coaching for more than just, you know, winning or losing or, or what I get out of it. But I really learned from that experience that I wanted to become a coach and I wanted to become a coach to have an impact on the life of my players um, and to use the platform of soccer and coaching um, to hopefully shift my faith and um, and be an example to the, to the kids that I coach. And you're married, is that right? I am, yes. I'm married. It'll be four years this month. Uh, my wife, Rebecca, uh, she's originally from Buffalo. She also works at Roberts. Was it the accent? Is that what first attracted her to you? I think so. I think so. <laughs> Although she says that I'm losing it. I, I've been in the States for 11 years now, so I have to go home every now and again just to get the accent back. 
Do you have any prayer requests? Is there anything we can pray for you about? Uh, yeah, um, I'll pray for the team for this fall. Um, you know, it's always a, a busy and, and hectic time, and, you know, we're traveling and playing a lot. So just praying for safety as we travel, praying for um, just safety as for the girls when they're out there playing, and just for the coaching staff that we can, you know, keep the right perspective when the competition starts to heat up and hopefully continue to have a positive influence on our players. We've been talking with Bobby McCall here on Benson and Those Guys. He's the head coach of the women's soccer team at Roberts Wesleyan College. Bobby, I want to thank you for joining us, and I wish you well, not only with the season ahead, but also with the Juventus camp coming up later this summer. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for having me. Roberts Wesleyan kicks off its season at home August 19th against Genesee Community College. The Juventus camp, July 20th to 24th. If you're interested in that, you can register at abcsportscamps.com forward slash JSC. You're listening to Benson and Those Guys. The show is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Juventus FC, the Italian champions and one of the best soccer clubs in the world, will be hosting a five-day camp here in Rochester. Coaches from the Juventus Youth Academy are coming all the way from Italy to share the coaching and soccer philosophy of one of the most successful soccer clubs ever. The camp is open to boys and girls ages 5 to 17 who want to improve their level of play. Each participant will experience five days of top quality training and will leave the camp with a brand new Juventus uniform, a participation diploma, and some fantastic memories. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity to learn from the best and show them what you can do. The dates of this amazing camp are July 20th through the 24th at Grace and Truth Sports Park in Hilton. The cost is $375 and you can register online at abcsportscamps.com forward slash JSC. Title sponsor of Benson and those guys is Town & Country Pest Solutions. The warm weather is here to stay, but so are those pesky critters. Bees are beginning to build their hives, ants are driving everyone nuts, and spiders seem to be popping up in every corner of the house. But thanks to Town & Country Pest Solutions, these nuisances can be no more. If you have a serious problem that needs to be controlled, give them a call. I'm not just advertising for them. I am a customer, and believe me, they have the solution for any pest problem. I've mentioned it before, and it's still true. They have been in business for over 25 years, and their team of knowledgeable professionals guarantee their work. Call Town & Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. On Monday this past week, ESPN announced that Bruce General will be the recipient of this year's Arthur Ashe Courage Award on the ESPYs program. Following that, there's been a great deal of social media posting that Noah Galloway, you might remember the veteran double amputee soldier who was on Dancing with the Stars, the social posts say that he came in second. Well, that's not true. There isn't. I don't even think there is a second place. But what I have seen on social media that bothers me is people who would say they love Jesus and, and Christians and believers ripping Bruce Jenner for this decision to become a woman. Now, obviously, I'm not in support of what he's doing. I think he needs help. I think he's probably, and, and I can't think of how to say this, so I know I'm going to say it, but I think he's confused. To call him an embarrassment or a joke or to mock him, 
I think what he needs is love and grace. He's a sinner in need of a Savior. He's blind. I don't think God make mistakes. God made him a male. He is a male. His DNA is still that of a male. He may have had surgeries. He may have grown his hair. He may have done all these different things and changed his wardrobe. But his DNA is still a male. God doesn't make mistakes. He made him that way. But what is a mistake is for Christians to rip on him. And what happens when they do that is they ruin their own good name. They ruin their own testimony. And they don't show an ounce of love. And again, I'm not supporting that. I think ESPN ought to be ashamed of themselves for using Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner. Because to give him the Arthur Ashe Courage Award, that, I think, is an embarrassment. That, I think, is a mockery. You're using him as a gratuitous ratings ploy because you want him to walk across the stage in a stunning evening gown and accept the award. Lauren Hill, who battled cancer bravely, living out some of her dreams of playing basketball before passing away, is more deserving, in my opinion. Jim Kelly, who also fought cancer, more deserving, in my opinion. I'm not mocking Bruce Jenner. Again, that's a sinner in need of a savior, just like I was, just like you were, Zach, just like many listeners were, and many listeners still are. Sinner in need of Jesus. I don't think Jesus would mock, laugh at Bruce Jenner. I think he would show him love. I think he'd try to help him through whatever issue. I don't think just because you identify, you think you feel like a woman. You hear these stories where young people feel like a woman, so they're going to use the women's bathroom. Everybody in the women's bathroom doesn't necessarily identify with you feeling like a woman and don't want you there. That's that's just a crazy imposition on society. But I don't think we ought to mock Bruce Jenner. And all I can say is God didn't make a mistake. Bruce, you're, you're a male. So again, just to be clear, I'm not defending Bruce. I'm not defending Caitlin, whatever the name is. I think there's an issue there. I think it's deep-rooted. But again, I'm not mocking him. I think the embarrassment, though, is on ESPN because they're blatantly using him for a ratings ploy. And I think they ought to be embarrassed. I don't think that's fair to him. No, I don't think so either. I agree with you. Well, that's enough about Bruce Jenner. Let's go back and talk about what we were talking with Bobby McCall earlier in the program. And, of course, later today, Juventus and Barcelona plays for the Champions League title. Well, the rematch, the dream rematch, you might remember from the World Cup where Luis Suarez bit Giorgio Cellini. You remember remember that situation? Yeah. Well, Suarez plays for Barcelona. Cellini plays for Juventus, but... Cellini's hurt. He's not going to play in the Champions League final, so no rematch of the great biting incident from the World (laughs) Cup. However, from Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals, the Lightning say Victor Hedman might have been bitten by Andrew Shaw of the Chicago Blackhawks. Shaw and Hedman got tangled up after Hedman had shoved uh, Blackhawks' Patrick Kane into the boards right after the play had stopped, so Shaw took exception to that. And after the scrum was broken up, Hedman was seen on the bench showing off uh, what might have been a bite mark, the spot, to the team trainer. The Blackhawks obviously have nothing to say, so we won't get the rematch, but we may have something new developing. Well, hopefully Andrew Shaw had his shots. 
Hopefully he has. Let's go to Darren and do his unreasonable rant. Darren's joining us now here at the end of the program, just in time for us to close the show down, but let's do his unreasonable rant. Now the moment we've all been waiting for. Tom Brady wears Uggs. I have no knowledge of anything. I have no explanation for what happened. The highlight of the show. I'm not going to let our fans down. The reason people tune in week after week. Said no one ever. Darren's Unreasonable Rant. Five years ago this week, Ken Griffey Jr. retired. In my opinion, he's the greatest home run hitter of all time. Injuries derailed this guy's career. His swing can only be described in one word, sexy. And when Seattle didn't want him anymore, he took his talents to Cincinnati. He could have gone to any team in the league but chose the National League, where there is no DH, no position to prolong your career. He had to continue to play the field, and why wouldn't he? He was great at it, but father time remains undefeated, and he broke down. But this brings me to why he's the greatest home run hitter of all time. Instead of cheating like Bond, Sosa, McGuire, A-Rod, Poppy, and many more have done, he stayed away from roids. He hit 630 career home runs and never was mentioned once in any scandal. But he should have been. If you can't beat him, join him. He would have hit 800 home runs, and last I checked, Bonds is still the cheater atop the home run list. Baseball doesn't seem to care. Had Junior used, he might still be playing. I mean, look what Royds have done for Big Poppy. He doesn't seem to age, he just gets grumpier. So Griff, it's been five long years. The MLB needs you and your perfect swing back in the league. So Royd up, kid. Hashtag legalize PEDs. Keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, that it's called the unreasonable rant for a reason. <laughs> you, you make a good point. Benson and those guys is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. So at the end of the show, we like to go around the room and do our pest of the week. My pest of the week is the Houston Astros. On Thursday, it was announced that they are planning to eliminate Tal's Hill from the center field area at Minute Maid Park. Is it still Minute Maid Park? It is, right? Yep. Well, they're going to take the hill out. Now, the reason they're my pest of the week is why was the hill there in the first place? <laughs> I was going to say a lot of center fielders are probably really happy about that. Yeah, I know it made it kind of a unique thing, but it's foolishness. You don't play on a ball field where there's a hill in the well, the Yankees used to have Monument Park and a flagpole in center But they field. don't anymore. That's true. Well, neither will the Astros. The Houston Astros, though they're the first place Houston Astros, are my pest of the week. My pest of the week is the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, earlier this week, Bryce Harper was hit by a pitch while facing the Reds. Apparently didn't jog to first base quickly enough for them. They got all over him. They're yelling at him. Joey Votto had to be separated from him. The Reds pitcher, whose name escapes me, said Bryce Harper should just, quote, be a baseball player. Well, maybe you should just, quote, be a pitcher and not hit him. You just said you can't remember his name. Everybody knows Bryce Harper. Yep. There's been so much of that. Darren, who's your pest of the week? My pest of the week is rapper Lil Wayne. He spit on a ref and started a minor fight at a anti-violence charity game. Like I don't even think I need to say anymore. He might be the biggest moron of all time. Lil Wayne, my pest of the week. Before we close the hood of this race car that is a radio program, I just want to give a shout-out to the AIA baseball team, the Rochester Ridgemen. The New York Collegiate Baseball League is up and running, and on Wednesday at Basket Road Field out in Webster, they took a doubleheader from the Wellsville Nitros. Two complete game shutouts, one nothing and 4 nothing. Cameron Carney, Mitchell Donahue, each going the distance. Congratulations to them. By the way, get out and see a game. It's free. It's great entertainment. 
It's Good Baseball Basket Road Field out in Webster. Benson and Those Guys is brought to you by Town & Country Test Solutions.